Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome to the latest Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet feature. Uh, we'll be taking on NXT TakeOver Chicago. I am your host for the first time. I'm, I'm popping my, my hosting cherry on ESSR. Uh, it is the man behind the Scottish Wrestling Network, because I've got to get that plug in somehow. It's Billy Strachan. And I am joined by, well, we were supposed to have four in total, so I had loads of jokes about the Fantastic Four, the Beatles, Four Horsemen, but we're still going to use them anyway. Um, we're joined by... Gary Kernahan. Hello, folks. Hello, Billy. Hello, and Chris Anthony Lopez. I think it's the yes. first show we're doing together. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to be here talking about a pretty fun show. So I was going to call, uh, we're supposed to have Scott McLeod here, but unfortunately he's going to see Doctor Strange, like the traitor he is uh, <laughs> with, with this. So I was going to say we're the Fantastic Four of the Beatles, but I can still do that because obviously the Fantastic Four is clearly the thing. Uh, the Beatles, he's Ringo Starr. <laughs> Under the Four Horsemen, he is clearly Steve Mongo McMichael. So, let's get on with the show. <laughs> NXT Takeover Chicago took place 23rd of May 2017. And we're celebrating five years of that first show in Chicago. I have loads of little snippets and notes. So, we'll just dive into them and then we'll go into the show itself. Five matches. <laughs> We're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. So if I, if, if we if we go into two hour two hours, I apologise in advance to everyone listening, especially when it comes to my voice and the mumbling that will occur. Okay, Allstate Arena, Rosemount, Illinois, fifteenth uh, takeover for NXT, the developmental or third brand, depending on what you want to call it in WWE, an event that that uh, yeah was quite big in the momentum and the history of NXT, but we'll get on to that in a moment. Let's some fun facts for you. Allstate Arena, Rosemont, Illinois. Could anyone think of in the in the team here? Any other events? Any other WWE events that took place at this venue? Mania thirteen was there, wasn't it? Yes. I could take that off my little list here. And Mania two one of the one of the venue, one of the three venues for WrestleMania two, wasn't it? You you be doing your research here, Gary. Because that's oh, Just that no, no old old wrestling's my wheelhouse. So eighties, nineties stuff I can remember much better. It's like the younger ones in the podcast that can remember the random backlash shows from the mid not from the noughties. This oh, is also uh, the same venue that Chris Jericho debuted in when he debuted in the WWF at the time. There you oh, go. That, that is a good. I've just got the paper freeze written down, but I'll take your word for it, Chris. Um, so the rest of them, I've got WrestleMania 22 in 2006, which we just uh, we recorded not long ago uh, mm-hmm. for ESSR. And, and going back, the Wrestling Classic 1985, Survivor Series 1989 and 2019, uh, No Mercy 2007. Night of Champions 2010. This 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 sounds like a much more fun segment, and now I'm reading them all out, and there's loads more. Uh, Judgment Day 98 and 2009, Backlash 2001 2017, Money in the Bank 2011 and 2018, Payback 2013 2014 2016. Everyone remembers Payback events, of course. Oh, they're of course. just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> NXT TakeOver Chicago 2018-2019 of course, this being 2017, and as a little Brucey bonus, WCW Spring Stampede 1994 as well. 
Hotbed of wrestling. And I've got this far in, four minutes in as, as of recording, and I haven't even told people how to find out more about Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. So let's go do that now. The housekeeping, that's what I always hear when I'm listening back to ESSR. Uh, we go through the links and, and tell you how to find out more. And if you don't want to hear my voice anymore, you can listen to the nice other things we've got going on, but you're going to enjoy it. Gary and Chris are going to carry this, so I'm just going to be the guy that, that hopefully holds it all together like uh, glue. So, if you want to find out more about Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, you can do at Suplex Retweet on Facebook and on Twitter, or go to EatSleepSuplexRetweet.com. You can find out more about anything we do, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any Android po- podcast platform. You're going to love it. There's loads of stuff. There's profiles. There's features like this. There's debate chamber. There's all sorts of good stuff uh, and drafts. And you know what? If there's anything you want about wrestling, the guys here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat will probably have it. There we go. That's that done. Okay. So before we get into the actual main card itself, there was a couple dark matches taped before this show. Uh, they were taped for future NXT episodes. We had Alistair Black defeating Kurt Hawkins, classic by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Velveteen Dream defeating Robert Anthony. Who? Well, Robert Anthony, who was a very good wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> and we had Drew McIntyre against uh, defeating Wesley Blake. So out of all those guys there, one is still in the WWE, so that's 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 pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Yes, yes. Wesley Blake. Is there... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but this this show, and I don't know if I told you guys this or if you guys know this. I was at this show. Um, Aha, yeah, I was uh, I was at this show in 2017. I was um, I was a wee lad at the time. And um, I, I was actually probably the same age or a little bit older than Tyler Bate was when he was at the show. <laughs> um, but it was um, it was the debut of the Velveteen Dream. And I know like a lot of them, a lot of his personal life and is is definitely there. Uh, and he's not with the company for a reason. But this was the first time we really got to see the character and all the squandered potential that would soon come. Um, like, cause they, they, we saw a vignette during this show for the Velveteen Dream. And if you're to tell me that like, yo, Drew McIntyre would be the only one left five years later from this show. I'm like, oh, you're crazy. You know, like there's some great talent here. Malachi or excuse me, Alistair Black is like his whole presentation. They kept it the same for the, for a majority of his run. And same thing for Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre has now become one of the top stars of WWE. And then there's the other guy. But there, there's so much in that one, just in the dark matches that showed up for that NXT following this takeover that are just there's a lot of potential there. And the future of NXT was spotlighted in, in those three matches for mm-hmm. the next, what, three, four years? Yeah. Chris, I was at TakeOver Toronto in 2019, and if you had said to me, after seeing the initial debut of the Velveteen Dream, that two years later he'd have been one of the most over uh, talent there, uh, I did not think, you know, don't don't doubt the talent in terms of in-ring performance and so on, but I didn't think that character had legs in it. 
and the way he ran with it and the way it morphed and developed, I thought was was fabulous and became one of the highlights about uh, TakeOver Toronto. He had the whole Mimti presentation, with uh, which was just phenomenal. And he, uh, takeovers, his uh, his entrances alone never became became a thing there. But yes, um, the this uh, uh, episode of NXT that would then follow with some of these matches on them. Yeah, it's a few of those guys that didn't go on to achieve a great deal. But my goodness, Drew McIntyre, wow. It's a weird thing about this time in NXT. I mean, I know I'm, I'm supposed to be the one hosting this, but I never watched this show until I saw like clips of it because I'm always like, I'll check the YouTube highlights. And at that time, they were more prominent in doing the highlights at that point. Um, not so much now because they've, they're trying to get the Peacock to to uh, to pay them for it. Um, the so, great thing about these feature shows, uh, Billy, is that there will be other people that will be listening to this show that haven't checked it out yet. So it's well worth doing what you've done. You've got this gold mine of these these great shows that you can go back to and, and watch, or in my case, you may have watched at the time, but haven't looked at it for, for several years, and it's a joy to go back and watch some of these things. We have done some, we've covered some shit shows on this uh, podcast as well, so it was nice to go back and look at a good one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's just dive into the show then. So the first match, we were, we're commentators for the night. Uh, we're Tom Phillips, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Watson. Remember Percy Watson? Oh, I, I remember don't. back in NXT oh, days I miss, when... I miss Nigel, though. I miss Nigel. I thought he was... I know he's been banished to NXT UK, but I thought he was fab on NXT. He's safe. He's safe there. He's safe at NXT UK. Nobody knows he's there. Uh, but no, Percy Watson, I remember back in, of course, the NXT original, the game show days, uh, the wonderful times that, that we had. Percy Watson and Titus O'Neil and whoever else was in that particular season. was that, I think that might be Caval that particular year as well. So there were some hidden gems in a pile of absolute dross. Uh, but yeah, so that was who was hosting the show. Had some different voices in there. I, I'll be honest, I forgot Percy Watson was even there. Uh, for a lot of it, he didn't seem to add much. There was Nigel McGuinness and Tom Phillips carrying the show. We started off with Roderick Strong taking on Sanity's Eric Young. So, coming into this, I've, I've never been a big fan of Roderick Strong. I'll be totally honest there. I've never liked him in TNA. I just find him a bit boring, to be honest. And they had this big package beforehand. Uh, we were saying that he was he was doing it for his he just had a child his his wife was just giving birth and he was being a father and he was fighting eric young and it it didn't really sell me into the match but i did enjoy it so uh, i don't know if why you want to to kind of give us a little bit of a summary of the match itself and then we'll we'll discuss our thoughts and feelings on it if anyone wants to take it on yeah i'll jump in there i mean i i, I loved sanity i thought they were a great group. I loved the presentation. I loved the music. Everything about them. Uh, they strike me. Looking back on this as well, it makes me reinforces this feeling. They strike me as one of the squandered call-ups. Um, this match lasted just shy of 14 minutes. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it three and a quarter stars. Um, I uh, I agree with you, Billy, about Roddy. This this presentation of him, I think he did better when he became part of the Undisputed Era. Like this presentation or this version of Roddy for me was a bit bland, no doubt. You know, very talented in the ring, but it started off as a bit more of a you know the Roddy versus the numbers games. You had the 
the outside interference, which the referee was utterly hopeless at spotting, despite it happening in plain sight every time of them. Um, started off quite fast and then slowed down down a bit, and um, you know picked up as we got into the got into the match. I think picked up quite nicely. A couple of uh, of nice spots in it, and the finish. I thought that that backbreaker finish looked absolutely devastating on it. But yeah, like you, I enjoyed this match as well. It was a weird thing about Roderick Strong was he was so bland, he was so boring but he did live up to the name Messiah of the Backbreaker. He did have some wonderful backbreakers uh, in there. So Chris, you were there live, so how, how was it feeling yeah. watching? Because it started hot. This was, uh, of course, the, the music kit, Roderick Strong's music kit after Sanity had entered, and Roderick came through the the crowd and attacked Killian Dane and Alexander mm-hmm. Wolfe to kick off the match. So yeah, was, was, that, was that the hot start you were hoping for? What was it like live? So when I was there, this was around the time where NXT was, it was the hottest wrestling promotion in the world. Like there was, there was nothing like it, nothing. And NXT was, it was the thing that brought some of my friends back into wrestling. This is like the first show we went, we went back to, and this is how you open it. Two guys who are no stranger to some non, to some, to some total nonstop action, right? They are, they are just two incredible wrestlers. And yeah, Roger Strong's, I, his presentation, I never liked the don't mess with my family. I never liked that as a motivation for a wrestler, for a wrestler. It got old really fast and it gets old still. But I guess at the time, like Roderick Strong, like he was he was, you know, babyface, like the super like, yeah, root for me. And Sanity was this great, great faction. And there's a lot of potential here and a lot of a lot of great bits that would come that we would come to uh, know very well over this iteration of NXT. I was a fan of this match, especially watching it back. I don't remember. I don't even know if I've seen the, this show back until I like until we uh, watched watch it for this show. But I remember really digging it, and I was just a fan of Roderick Strong. But Sanity again, it kind of bums me out in hindsight seeing what happened to the group and all its individual members within WWE. But what a fun way to start the show. The Chicago crowd's always gonna be hot, especially for those guys that like made their names on the indies, made their names on the promotions and came to WWE or came to NXT. And the crowd there reflected that. And I like I was so in for this. This whole show, for one reason or another, each match had a had a wrestler I was really into, or it was just an absolute barn burner of a match. And I thought this was a fun way to start. Do I think it it would have benefited being somewhere else in the card? Maybe, but again, you're having Roderick Strong, one of the newer guys in this scene. You have Eric Eric Young with Sanity in the super hot group at the time. Sanity was incredibly hot. You put them together, Roderick Strong goes over. I I was a fan of this and rewatching it back, I'm like, yeah, this this shit rules. Like I, I love these two guys. Mm-hmm. So five five years on, uh, the only guy in this, well, actually on this this whole card in general, but the only guy that's still in NXT uh, is still Roderick Strong. And he, when you think about all the stuff he's done in between that, so of course this was before Undisputed Era. Full, it, nobody else in, in Undisputed Era was there. Uh, it was There was no Cole, there was no O'Reilly, no Fish. Um, so he's, he's went through that, the, the Don't Mess My Family, which I think 
in recent years has only really worked the once, and that was because Samojo and AJ Styles took it to an absurd level. Uh, ex- <laughs> exactly. They, they, they took it. They took it to, to like going. This is a bit lame. To oh, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm in. Yep. I'm in on this now. Um, so yeah. So we, we've seen him go. For, this is his start. Now he's. He's uh, trying to get out of the WWE some way, somehow, and uh, he's, he's he's lost hair and gained a beard, and he's now part of Diamond, Diamond Mine, or he could be, I don't know, because Bivens is gone, so who knows what's happening there in NXT. So in general, though, of course, Eric Young, he's gone, Killian Dane's gone, Alexander Wolfe's gone, um, seen Eric Young recently, I forgot how good he looked with a beard, but that's that's another thing. But we're concentrating on Roderick Strong here. So what, how have you thought of, how you thought, Roderick Strong's journey's been where you're seeing this this is his NXT start to to how he is doing now in Diamond Mind. Uh, anyone want to jump in with that? I'll hear. I'll say this. Roderick Strong became the best he could be given the circumstances when he joined Undisputed Era. Like and and I know that's the popular answer. We all love Undisputed Era. I want to talk to somebody who didn't love Undisputed Era when they were in WWE or when they were in NXT because they were the shit as a group. But when he joined them, it just made sense. And he let like the heel persona that Roderick had put on since, and he still continues to, it it very much molded him into the Roderick Strong that I think of to this day. When you when I think of Roddy, I don't think of like the, the Wonder Bread white baby face, you know, like, yeah, like the one that we saw in this match. But I think of the the heel that we got. And when he joined with Cole, O'Reilly and Fish, it was just for the better. And they did so much fun stuff together outside of the stuff in the ring, which is incredible because they're all great wrestlers. And like y'all mentioned that backbreaker five years ago, it was gnarly. It still looks gnarly to this day to the fact that Cody Rhodes doesn't even want to take it. <laughs> and he's <laughs> and he's out here. He's asking for a Roddy match, and he doesn't even want to take the backbreaker because he probably won't get up from it. But I I love the Roddy that we ended up getting. Like it was cool to see Roddy in an NXT ring, but when he became undisputed, that's when he reached his potential. And I hate to say this, it sounds this is gonna sound crass. I don't want it to, but he peaked with Undisputed Era, and honestly. Yes, it's my, I'm not pissed off some people, but even with how the guys are at AEW, I think Undisputed Era was the peak of that in NXT. Those guys were white hot heels at points. You know, they I know they were tweeners, faces, heels, whatever, but they were heels and the crowds were eating them. They, they would eat them up, you know? And Roddy was a big part of that. Roddy completed that group. And I, I've loved it ever since. Mm-hmm. They did very well with hiding his limitations. And Speed Era was all about. It. I mean, it was it was cool. It was a cool group, and, and they did wonders for for each of them. But they all did the job of hiding each other's limitations so well. Because Strong and Bobby Fish, you don't want to hear them talk anytime soon. But they were good at wrestling. So you had Kyle O'Reilly being charismatic, and Adam Cole being charismatic, and they could they could they could tie up all this this heat and all this all this stuff and just just go right. We've built up the crowd here to boo us. Roddy, go out backbreaker someone for a bit. That's all you need to do. It's 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 wrestling one on one. I think at that point, it's just yeah, yeah managing. That's one of the other, sorry, Billy. That's one of the other good things about these shows and having the chance to look back because you sometimes see like a the start and the embryo of what's got gone on to become 
you know, uh, one of you know the stars that we now watch. We seen Pete Dunne before he was Butch. Of course. <laughs> uh, the other thing, my last thought on this match, and then we'll move on, is I was distracted for the first couple of minutes because I could not look away from Drake Vertz's absolute just orange tangerine monstrosity of a tan. Uh, it was just, oh, <laughs> it was awful. It, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know what he was going for, um, but. Oh, and I want to I want to say this real, I wanna um, say so this real quick. Uh, real quick, um, Gary, you mentioned Nigel McGuinness on commentary. How much you miss him? Hearing him in this in this match, I know he's hidden away NXT UK, getting his paychecks. Nick Khan forgot about him, but I I love Nigel McGuinness. And damn, does he pull off a three piece suit? Mm. Damn, like it's that's a, that's man. a good looking man, Nigel McGuinness. Yeah. Very handsome man. <laughs> So the next match, uh, and, and I'm kind of moving on to it because we're probably going to speak about it for quite some time. It's the NXT, well no it's not, at that point it was still the WWE United Kingdom Championship match. It was Tyler Bate against Pete Dunne, a match that earned 4.75 stars from Big Davy Meltz himself. Uh, it was a absolute amazing match, it was NXT's match of the year. Uh, it, it, it's probably one of the best matches on the show, and that's saying a lot when we consider the main event as well. Um, we, we saw Butch and Tyler Bates go one-on-one go -on -one for the title. Uh, so, NXT and its WWE UK affiliations at that time, uh, this was its first proper big uh, platform to show what, what, WWE, what NXT UK is all about. Um, so yeah, you guys thoughts on... Uh, not just the match itself, but maybe the conception of, of when you found out that the UK Championship was being defended on NXT TakeOver show. Uh, we'll go Chris first. So this was my introduction to both of these men. I, I had seen the tournament, the original WWE or slash NXT UK Championship tournament, but I was unfamiliar with a lot of those guys. You know, I... I didn't watch the UK indie scene and I was very ignorant to a lot of that. So when when these two faced off in the finals of that, they or Tyler Bate won. He was like 15 when he won the belt or something crazy like that. And I got introduced to Pete Dunne again. And I remember the visual of Triple H putting them both over and that um, and like raising the both hands, both of y'all are going to be perfectly fine. And this match, I will never forget watching it. It's one of the best matches I've seen in person. And it was just a showcase of UK wrestling that I desperately needed. Like this was my introduction to that style. And I was just incredibly enamored with it. And the crowd in Chicago that night, we we gave them multiple standing ovations throughout <laughs> throughout the match as if we'd never seen wrestling before it, it that's what it felt like it felt like we were watching two guys invent wrestling and even though i was far from the case damn like you, there's there's two of them that you see in the broadcast like halfway through the match there's a standing o you see the entire all-state arenas just start get, get up and clapping and it happens again afterwards even once the camera cuts to whatever promo they're doing I have a video on my phone of all of us just like standing there in awe and clapping because we had no idea what we were what we were expecting from this. But it's stellar. This match still holds up and it's incredible. 
And I mean, both of these men are still with WWE for a reason. And even though one of them may not go by his name anymore, we still remember him doing this incredible stuff. And I love this match so much. It may be my favorite match I've ever seen in person, but damn, it's that. It's so good. I love it so much. Got it. Um, we'll go to you for, for the next one, because, of course, you watched it on the TV, like uh, well, like I did yesterday. Uh, but you watched it on the TV. How did you find uh, Jim Ross? Of course, he com- he was a guest commentator. We got rid of Pertz and Watson for a moment to get Jim Ross on. Uh, what was it like hearing his voice calling? Uh, I, I don't know how much of a UK indie scene uh, guy you are, but I don't know if you've seen uh, Pete Dunne and, and Tyler Bate uh, wrestle live, and then now you're hearing it with Jim Ross uh, doing the the play-by-play on it. That must have been just crazy. It was. I mean, Jim Ross was one of the voices of my childhood uh, or teenage years. You know, so loved the man. There was something about this when you read uh, Jim Ross's book as well. He talks. I think he talks about this in the book about that this was a this was a big deal for him, and he treated this match like it was a main event for him because he came back to WWE at WrestleMania 33 after his wife had just died. He commented commentated on the the main event, the Undertaker Reigns match. So he was hoping to get himself, he talks about getting a jersey and getting back on the team. So this was his chance. And he tells a story about getting together with Bate and Dunn before the match to talk about what they were going to do so he can think about how he's going to add uh, to their story. And he talked. He said to them, this is a big match for you, but it's also a big match for, for me. And I think that game came across and the way he talked about it. I, like Chris, the first time I had uh, seen Bait and Dunn was on WWE TV, so it was on the, the UK Championship tournaments the first time I'd seen them, but subsequently I'd seen them when they appeared at various indie promotions. I've seen both of them in ICW. I remember see, it was a bit weird seeing the WWE UK Championship defended in Glasgow Union. Um, so that was a bit... Uh, bit of a surprise it was this was a joy to look back and watch this match as well i mean how bay is still on nxt uk is is beyond me because i think he's fabulous and most people that have ever listened to me in the podcast know i've got a soft stroke hard spot for him um there are one and i think because the crowd wasn't familiar most of the audience the live audience weren't familiar with these guys beforehand that helps the sto- the match because they sort of start off with a oh, you know who are these guys what's going on here and by the end you know and as the match builds the audience's interest builds with them so i thought that was was absolutely tremendous some incredibly smooth train not wrestling through it and some absolutely tremendous athletic counters throughout the match some brilliant strength moves from Dunn, uh, sorry from Bate which uh, we'll be familiar with uh, uh, later on and the airplane spin as well the pop of the crowd Chris I don't know what it was like when you were there I can only imagine because when they're doing that he's doing that airplane spin and the speed that he gets up to in it people seem just to lose their absolutely mind for it and some other really nice spots in it, you know, the the fist fight and the bang and bop moment on it. Um, I thought the finish was was really quite good as well. Um, and some really great counters and quite a believable finish as well. I just thought, oh, I absolutely loved the match. I thought it was 
was was absolutely tremendous and I think it's one of the reasons that that I look back on this show so fondly. I mean I really miss actually just really miss these versions of takeovers. There was just you know the arenas the night before, the big pay-per-view, the two and a half hour execution of it, the five match format. I just loved them. Of course, and this this was the prelude to Backlash uh, that year, uh, and we got the absolute classic of Randy Orton against Junior Mahal for the WWE Championship. So, uh, on one hand, you got Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate uh, absolutely tearing the roof off the Allstate Arena, and then the next night you got Jinder Mahal becoming WWE Champion. Um, so it just goes to show you, wrestling fans, you can't have it all. Uh, so yeah, we, you're talking about, of course. You saw uh, Pete Dunne and, and Tyler Bate after this. It, I think there was a lot said about about the NXT UK kind of hurting independent wrestling, and you know, and probably in the wider sense, it did. But it, for a short period after this match, after NXT, the, the WWE Kingdom Championship was defending on Takeover, um, you couldn't you couldn't see a wrestling poster without seeing Tyler Bate or Pete Dunne on it. Uh, I know for myself, I was able to see T- Tyler Bate way up in Aberdeen uh, mm-hmm. wrestling Damien at WrestleZone. So, without the UK uh, Championship tournament, without that, I probably would have never seen that match. I uh, wouldn't have seen it Tyler Bate come up this far north. Um, I think it was supposed to be Pete Dunne originally and then he got pulled for, it was, it was supposed to be when he was champion but he got pulled uh, mm-hmm. due to WWE uh, commitments which came a, a common story uh, on the in the months yeah. and years after um, NXT UK was, was supposed to help yeah. uh, independent wrestling but you know nowadays I'd, could, could you name uh, 15 guys that are on that roster now maybe not but you know it's it's it still has its place um as a as a tax haven probably for Vince McMahon um about the 16 folk that were on that tournament the only one that was a regular in Scotland and that team was Wolfgang so in the eyes of a Scottish fan at least it elevated our 15 so when Joseph Connors was booked from ICW there was more name identity there than there was for us so it certainly uh, and we could probably do a whole show on whether or not this was good for for UK wrestling or not but it certainly elevated the status of some of the talent that was involved in it even the ones that didn't go on to have great careers under the WWE umbrella certainly made a wee bit of a boost in the indies on the back of it and I think the I think the um, the, the vibe at the Allstate Arena that night during this match and afterwards I wouldn't be surprised if that was maybe what 90% of WWE's audience because NXT as a whole not even just the, the UK aspect of it as a whole it was a great introduction to folks who who had been doing some incredible work at other companies around the indies doing some uh, some bingo hall shows and then they come to NXT and they're introduced to this in, this vast audience I had no idea who Adam Cole was mm. when he joined NXT I wasn't a big New Japan guy and I had no idea where he came from a lot of those guys are just like that. I had no idea who they were because I, I wasn't familiar with Ring of Honor I wasn't familiar with New Japan so when Cesaro shows up I'm like who the hell's this man and why is he so hyped up? Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, same thing. But then they show up in his NXT and again, and I don't want this to turn into, oh my God, I missed the old NXT podcast. <laughs> but that's, that's what NXT was supposed to be, really, wasn't it? It was supposed to be, introduce these guys, give them a big boost, and then 
send him to the main roster. And I think it got to a point though where where it became the guys just wouldn't leave. And then it got a bit stale and the black and gold got a little bit rusted and, and all that kind of stuff. So at this point it was it was very much a case of you do you do a couple of matches, get do your takeover, maybe do a second takeover, and then you move on. Um, but then of course years came by and then it didn't. I'm, I'm really liking if people that are listening to the audio feed won't get this, but we've just lo- watched uh, Chris just 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 like do a platoon impression for the last couple of minutes, which has made me laugh because I love that film. Um, just Chris, we missed you for a bit there. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I got I got I got the boot for some reason. I got <laughs> I, unlike a lot of the folks in NXT, I got yanked. Uh, <laughs> but no, it this the yeah, old Joel, NXT yeah. was it, it was so rad and it was and it was it was brutal. And this match between Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate was the epitome of that. It was it was gnarly. The spots were like it, it was it was so well crafted and the story was so to- so well told to where um you know little uh ignorant like americans like me who have not gone and watched uk wrestling realized like yo like this is this is the shit this this rules like give me more of this and they obliged they gave us nxt uk for better or for worse but i was so enthralled by the smash still rewatching it back yesterday i'm like this this match rules and to me is by far the best match on the card yeah when you look but to your point billy you were making just there you look at this show this Go here about jumping with something there what, what's your thought uh, just to your point billy you were saying um about the the people that were called up so there's 14 talent that's featured in this show of which 10 of them grace the main roster at some point four of them not so so roddy strong Johnny Gargano, Tyler Bay, Paul Ellering, and I, I know he appeared in that one episode of Raw, uh, and then parted ways after that. That's not, and there's four of them still still there. So who's still there? Rude, Asuka, Cross, and Butch. Um, so I mean, that's ten out of fourteen to go on to your your main roster. That's that's pretty pretty good going. At the time of six of the fourteen still with the company. Overall, um, yeah. I think the problem is once they get there. Yeah, oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where the that's where the problem arises. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things. It's 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 almost like we're not going. We're not going. This is our show entirely. But uh, it, it's it is like the they're given the opportunity, and some some will take it, some won't work. That's just that's just the way life goes. Uh, some will be given absolute shit to work with and, and they'll polish up and, and they'll get over uh, others just don't want to change maybe and they're like no this thing's worked this worked in NXT it's going to work on the main roster but the difference is the hardcore were watching NXT at that point that was their thing they, that was their little underground uh, secret that people didn't know about and and then when you went to the main roster it's all the kids it's the kids and the adults that maybe not that fuss for wrestling because they're taking their kids to watch it and they're the ones that are they're doing it so you got to you got to promote yourself to them and, and like i say it's a, it's a whole other subject for another podcast where we're, we're trying to uh, keep this a nice and svelte uh hour-long show because uh gary's hungry so he's always hungry to be fair so am i yeah, and that's that's as, as a as a chunky man, I'm always in a stage of hunger. But uh, but yeah, so we'll 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 move on. We'll we'll put a little pin in that because I'm sure whoever edits this and listens to it back and goes, 
we've got we may have a subject for another another show we'll we'll leave to our, our ranting for that so moved on to our, our midpoint of the show it was a triple threat match for the nxt women's championship and uh, we had asuka uh, against nikki cross and ruby riot so originally this was supposed to be a four-way with ember moon in there but uh, she got injured in the melee running up to the show. They kept replaying the video of her getting thrown uh, through the ropes at the corner, and and it was just a gnarly uh, moment, a gnarly bump in general for just to watch. And they kept replaying it and kept replaying it, and I was still not sick of watching it because it still looked amazing. But it was like it was a bit, maybe a bit poor taste if she got injured during that. If you keep showing it, it's like when. Uh, um, of course, he's recovering now. But when they kept replaying Big E's uh, neck break on the on the shows after he broke his neck, I went, guys, come on! He, just, he got injured at this point. Maybe not show it so often. Um, but yeah, so it ended up being a triple threat. Uh, Asuka uh, still undefeated at that point, uh, and she she faced Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot. Um, as a, Gary, as a fellow Scotsman here, it's amazing seeing Nikki Cross. Uh, on an NXT takeover. Sure, we've had Drew uh, just about to come through, back through NXT, and and that, but he was like a star in the making anyway because he's. We don't build Scots like that here. He's just an absolute freak athlete. But it's amazing to see Nikki Cross NXT takeover women's championship match. I mean, that's 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 amazing, right? Oh, totally, totally, and different so different from uh, Drew in some ways. Um, how she sort of worked you know, in the more temporary year, if I can put it that way, having worked away and us become familiar with her through her, her tenure in ICW as uh, Nikki Storm. But yeah, uh, it was fabulous to see her and to see what she's gone on to achieve. Uh, I suspect she might be in the final stages of uh, Nikki ASH, so what comes next from her for her is going to be absolutely critical. But she, you know, it's done, done, done exceptionally, exceptionally well. And this version of Nikki, the the sanity version of her, I, I, I thought she, when that group got called up without her, I think they lost, they lost something. And I don't think she was quite the same without them either. But yeah, it was like uh, overall uh, a good match um, here. Went on for 12, 12 and a half minutes, and. I I thought at the time and think now Asuka should have dropped the title to Ember Moon at TakeOver Orlando. I thought uh, the, undispe- the unbeaten run that she was on, you know, people have different views about unbeaten runs that sometimes if they go on too long and come a bit too, can be a bit too boring. I wonder if the Fatal 4-Way was maybe designed to get the belt off Asuka without, or not to Ember without actually beating Asuka. Uh, but at this point, she started for me started to run out of opponents. So if you look back, won the title from Bailey at Dallas. She then had Nia Jax at Takeover the End, Billy Kay, Brooklyn, Mickey James was drafted in at Toronto because they didn't have anybody for her to take on. And then you got Cross, Peyton, and Billy at San Antonio, Ember, Orlando. Um, without I. Watching this match back, and I know I know the result at, at the time, which didn't help. I didn't feel even. I don't know, Chris, if it came across this way to you. Never felt to me that Asuka was realistically in any danger of, of losing this match, and I always find it difficult to get into a match if I don't believe 
that that could happen. Oh no, that's that's definitely the feel of this match, and that's unfortunate because the crowd was very receptive to Ruby Riot and to Nikki Cross in this. And by the way, before I continue, so you're telling me not everyone in Scotland looks like Drew McIntyre? I, w- I mean, because that man well, is. Uh, you I can't mean, see because I've got my top on just now, Chris. But yes, uh, we're okay. <laughs> up from the same stone. Oh, I am. I'm. I'm. I am ripped. Uh, <laughs> where? Yeah, I've never been to Scotland, so I wouldn't know. So I just assumed everyone looked like Drew McIntyre. So I've been scared to go to Scotland ever since. But uh, with that being said, um, Nikki Cross. Um, yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Gary, of when Sanity was called up without her, because I th- I think that did more to hurt the group than it hurt Nikki, if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm. the group l- was lacking without her, and just because she wasn't there, the granted, there's so many other factors of why the group didn't pan out on the main roster, but Nikki was a big part into their into their collective presence and why they were so over all four of them were over but nikki was a big part of that maybe that's why they kept her there in nxt who knows but this match itself asuka was the shit is the shit and she forever will be the shit she's so good she is so damn good and um who are you roman reigns asuka was pinning both of her opponents way before you were i didn't know it's that that, yeah it was (laughs) awesome and yeah, like I, this, a lot of the story was, oh, can Nikki and Ruby get over fighting themselves so they can beat Asuka? And so the commentators are almost telling us they're going to screw each other over and Asuka's going to come out on top. And that's exactly what happened. They were so caught up in fighting each other that Asuka was just there. And maybe like the whole Ember Moon of it all played a part into why that felt that way. I still thought the match was pretty good. It was pretty hard hitting. All three women in the match were, are, are and still are, or were and still are incredibly talented. And damn, it's crazy to think that, you know, Asuka was undefeated for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. A very long time. And she's still pre- uh, presented on Raw, at least how we saw her recently when she came back. She's still presented like this big deal. Like, that's something that never got lost in the transition from NXT to WWE. Asuka is a big deal. And putting her with someone like Becky on her return proves that, even five years later. Asuka, she may not have any belts, but she might not even need them. But at the time, in NXT, Asuka was the women's division. She she was knocking down everybody in her path. And Ember was... Ember not being there hurt the match. And the story, but I thought it would play better later, especially when Ember returned. It's great to hear you guys talking about about like the the build up towards it, and it was a bit of a foregone conclusion. Because again, coming into this, not didn't watch the weeklies, I didn't didn't watch it. And again, this is the first time I watched the show in in, in full. Anyway, um, I thought it was just more of a bit of audience fatigue uh, because they just had to they just went through uh, what was it 15, 15 and a half minutes of Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate doing something mind-blowing to an American audience especially uh, or a WWE audience so to speak because they would have been in there for the weekend probably for NXT and then Backlash um, so I, I, it's nice to, to hear that, that it was just maybe a bit more of a maybe more of a like oh it's Asuka Asuka's going to win kind of thing it, maybe less, it, maybe the fatigue was a bit of a factor but uh, I don't know for you Chris at this point you would have seen six matches it would be the sixth match of the night you would have seen just Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates uh, 
was there a little bit of audience fatigue possibly they're kind of just amping themselves up knowing that they've got a second half of the show to go oh no yeah totally this this was done to the service by them having to go after you know and that and that was the tough part any match that had to follow that would have suffered yeah. but i think the like just the, the pops that they got when they came out especially asuka again like we were excited to see her and she was a big deal especially again how she was presented she never lost the belt if i'm not mistaken in an nxt she had no. to relinquish it but she never lost and that was just another like she was one of the pillars of that era of nxt but we were gonna res- the crowd there was hot for asuka because she was the big deal of the three of them but little did we know you know like nikki would again just her star would grow bigger and bigger same thing for ruby it would grow bigger and bigger especially over the last five years but yeah any match that would follow you could have put the tag match after this and it would have suffered because it followed done and bait so that that was just going to be inevitable regardless of the out uh, regardless of what match was there so speaking of kind of foregone conclusions uh the next match was bobby Roode against hideo tami and i as much I'm looking at the times, and they gave they gave these guys just under 18 minutes. And oh, I, this this was I, I tried to watch this all in one go uh, because you get kind of the feel for the ebbs and flows of the show. Um, I had to take, I had to take a break and come back for the main event because it just was not an exciting match for me. Um, I don't know. I never never deemed. I didn't know of Kenta. I didn't know of uh, what who Hideo Itami was. All I knew was he came in, got injured a lot. And that was, and then suddenly he was facing uh, Bobby Roode. So I, I just I had to take a break after this one because it just it was it was a long match. Uh, but coming into this, then so we're we're none of us were that familiar with New Japan. So Hideo Itami, what were your thoughts of of, of this match coming about and how we got to uh, Kenta against uh, Bobby Roode? So my memory of this Billy is that the build was a bit underwhelming uh, so Rude uh, I mean you've seen it in the video package Rude's in the ring Boston he gets interrupted and you're off to the races uh, so uh, I never felt that this was a you know that the title in this match was in jeopardy either there was uh, I thought Rude was presented brilliantly in NXT uh, I loved, uh, you know, his his entrance. Whilst you know, you were used to seeing some grand ones. This one well, wasn't all that grand, but it was pretty cool. Uh, the 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 keyboard thing on the on the the rampway to coming in. I thought that was that was pretty cool. The video package for this there was quite an interesting line in the video package that was promoting the match. I don't know if either of you guys picked up on it. Rude says um, that Hidami reminds. Remind me of the old NXT, a small underground promotion. How ironic is that? Looking at it through NXT 2.0 lens to it, but yeah, um, it was a it was a match that started slow, and I think the crowd was pretty quiet. But as the match built, and there were a couple of moments where the crowd really popped. I loved the bit at the start when Rude's posing and Hidami almost gets them in the GTS straight away and any time he tr- almost got them in the GTS there was a surreal pop in it I thought there was also some quite nice storytelling in this match 
but they, when they're outside of the ring, Rude injures his shoulder, which then uh, hinders him when he tries to do the glorious DDT later on, and Adami injures his leg, which then hinders him when he tries to go and do the GTS, and they took that um, later on. There was also, you know, folk, uh, anybody who's listened to the show before knows I always like to pick out some moments of spots in the match. When Hidami does hit the GTS, it, it's quite, it looks quite devastating and they're close to the ropes and Rude just brilliantly, the force of them hitting it, just rolls out of the ring. I thought that was brilliant and actually uh, I also really loved the finish of this match where Rude escapes the GTS, gets the glorious DDT but he knows one's not going to put him away so he needs a, a second one which looks pretty wicked to do it. Uh, for what we were just saying about it and feeling that it wasn't in and I agree, I think this match went on a wee bit too long as well it was given four and a quarter ratings by you know who as well it would have been five if it was in the Tokyo Dome yeah, I'm sure close without saying you mentioned his presentation Bobby Roode and I think that didn't help either I mean it's amazing, Glorious is still an absolute banger to have if, if you get it on the old Spotify playlist. Uh, while you're on Spotify listening to Glorious, you can go check out Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, at the same time. Uh, so yeah, it's still an absolute banger. And I think that didn't help because Hideo Tami came out, he just walked down to the ring, got in the ring, mm-hmm. that was him done. And then you got Bobby Roode come out, Glorious doing the spin, big robe, came mm-hmm. out with the belt, and then he injured his shoulder throughout. And I almost got a little bit of an underdog vibe from him because Hideo, in the match itself, his presentation notwithstanding, he was kind of presented as like a dangerous individual, and and Bobby was almost like the underdog in it. It was a very weird dynamic when I was watching it. Anyway, uh, Chris, how, what what are your thoughts on this one? I want to spotlight the promo package before this because, like what you guys said. Hideo Itami's run in NXT was very tragic and very chaotic with his just his fluke injuries that kept him out of action for years and they spotlighted that in the promo package to where he said like oh this it was supposed to be my time but then all these other stars Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Bobby Roode they came through rose through the ranks and became the faces of NXT that should have been me but I got hurt twice in these crazy injuries and I felt so bad for Hideo Itami. I know Kenta's crushing it now. You know, he was killing it beforehand. He's crushing it now. Just his time with NXT was so weird. It was so weird. But the second, you didn't have to tell me if I say I just forgot who won this match. I just, I just forgot. You didn't have to tell me who won. Billy, you nailed it on the head. The entrances told me who was going to win. Right, Hideo Tommy's music happens. He just walks out, and the crowd's like, "Oh yeah, Hideo Tommy! It's gonna be rad seeing Hideo Tommy. He's a good wrestler. It's a very good wrestler." And then Bobby Roode comes out, and Glorious may be the best gimmick NXT has ever produced. The Glorious Bobby Roode. If if it's not at the top, it's one of the best ones. What an what an incredible character! They kept trying to top themselves with these crazy big um these crazy big entrances for the character and then they all were just they, they were topping each other topping each other and just very very good but bobby rude 
was so white hot, no one was going to touch him. Nobody was going to touch him. And I think we were just waiting for Drew McIntyre at this point. So it was just the inevitability of that. But damn, damn, Bobby Roode was so over and I missed that version of the character so much. So you speak about the people that, that went by, of course, um, before, before we get to the main event itself, uh, there was a lot of, of people shown in the crowd, of course, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, I mean, two of them. I like that, that clearly they must have been sitting next to each other, but they had to be moved because of the camera, because when you saw uh, Sami with, with um, Pat Patterson and uh, Cassie Zono, uh, Cassiro, uh, there was a, clearly an empty seat next to Sami uh, that you could see, but of course, Kevin, is the heel he can't sit with them so he's with with um, a, a, a baseball player basketball player football player i don't, I don't know uh, someone anyway uh, he was doing that weird face of america thing as well which is... yeah sorry billy can i uh, pick up yeah. tell you a story about that so i was at takeover blackpool one and two and we had pretty sweet seats for both of them if you watch the opening of takeover blackpool one you can see me when they pan along the, f- the front of the crowd wearing uh right down the front me and my daughter so and when they did the face in the audience then basically they just brought them out shot them in the camera and then they fucked off again (laughs) (laughs) so they were there for like that like 30 seconds that you see them on the telly but i i kind of missed that sort of we it was a unique nxt thing wasn't it because normally you see a debut as a big deal or surprise on video package building up to it and NXT used to do this uh, face in the audience thing, which became a staple of TakeOver. Oh, who's it going to be this time? I kind of miss that. I, I do as well. I, I, that was a, it was a cool way to either reintroduce yeah. these big names, or, or even if they're indie stars, they like uh-huh. going, oh my god, there's... Uh, I don't know, I'm trying, trying to think of anyone. Um, anyone I'm thinking of didn't do this, but like, if you panned into the crowd and you saw uh, Volter <laughs> at the time, Gunther now, uh, but if you saw Volter, he'd be like, my God, he's coming to NXT. Uh, there he is. Or Kaylee yeah. Ray did it. Right there he goes. Get back to the Scottish stuff. Um, yeah. So Kaylee Ray was in the crowd. And you're going, oh my God, there's there's Kaylee Ray. She's coming. And then you don't know when. You just know that she's watching and she's studying the the action in the ring. And I think that was such a cool thing uh, yeah. to see. So was, I'm absolutely bored with that. It was Kaylee uh, and Jazzy Galbert that they pushed out in front of us. Did that bit and then they were away again. <laughs> and what meant this? Um, Rich Holland was on the opposite side for us when they brought him out and did that wee bit. Anyway, nothing to do with this show, but we spot the magic a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think everyone kind of knew. But no, I was speaking of, of things like off tangent a little bit, but with with that, that and also I, I loved the the, the the music. The, the sponsored song for a lot of the matches was, uh, you know, a little band called Fozzy with, with Judas. Mm-hmm. And I, I was listening, I was watching the first promo package, I was thinking it was uh, Nikki Cross and, and Asuka and Ruby Wright backstage, and I was hearing it going, Hi, I recognize that song. <laughs> it took a little while, and I was like, Is that, is that Judas? this playing and then it get every, every package came out. Just a weird thing now that, that uh, five years later, uh, Judas is on AEW every week, and it's we're... the most, it's the, it's the biggest wrestling intro going right now. Judas is just, it's, it's super, it's great, it's a great song. I'm, I'm a big fan of it outside of the Chris Jericho context, but then 
you hear it on this NXT show five years ago. And I, I, and I think NXT TakeOvers have other Fozzie songs be the official theme song of NXT TakeOver. But <laughs> this one, this one, it was weird. Like, what a show to pick. And Fozzie's, Fozzie's, Fozzie's Judas is the official theme song. It was so weird. I also had the same reaction. I'm like, what? Is this what I think it is? <laughs> um, it, it's all it, it's only the second best uh, Fozzie song, in my opinion, to be a, a wrestling theme because TNA took the the mantle when they had enemy uh way back when i think it was like 2005 maybe they had it and it was oh it was ace it was the only time we probably it was the closest we got to chris jericho being in tna but it was absolutely worth it because i've still got enemy in my in my uh, playlist that's it's it's excellent just, forbidden doors opening anything's possible <laughs> now anything's possible Judas is one of those songs for me. It, it, it comes and goes because so, I don't watch AEW, so I, I don't I, I don't think I get overexposed to the song. Um, so because I don't watch AEW at all, and so now I get to hear it every so often. My, I've got a little wrestling playlist of songs that I'm more of a pop musicals kind of guy. I don't, that'll surprise a lot of people, but, but I've got a playlist of all my wrestling themes and all the cool songs like your Metalingus and your your all that kind of stuff is in there. All the stuff from the the video games like. Uh, uh, Remedy, a bit of traps in there, Headstrong, uh, Powerman 3000s in there somewhere. So it's it's it was just cool just to hear Judas and go, ah, well, AEW copying things early on, weren't they? <laughs> uh, I'm joking to any AEW fans that are listening. I honestly don't care. Um, yeah, so we had all that, that's all that discourse, and then we got to the main event. So we're we're rattling through this this show. It's and so far, outside of maybe maybe Bobby Roode and Hideo Itami, which had that hot finish, as 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 Gary mentioned, um, the, the, the matches have been strong. They've been a strong show, strong card, um, and like we've already mentioned, it was nice. Felt like two and a half hours. It was it was brilliant. That's what you want. I, I miss the Thunderdome era when the show's uh, finished like two uh, two and a half hours in, and you got oh, yes, it's it's only half past two in the morning. I can I can go to bed and get a good couple hours sleep before I have to get up for work um, in this office. Uh, so it was it was just a, a nice throwback time of, of way back when. But no main event: Authors of Pain against DIY. So that's Akam and Razor with Paul Ellering uh, against Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Um, at this point, it's the main event, so that's quite a big thing. I don't... Th- was Maybe once before, was it the main event? Was 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 uh, Revival um, DIY a main event, possibly, a, a takeover? Am I, am I wrong in thinking that? Or anyone if that me? two out of three falls match was not the main event, I feel bad for whatever did. I'll tell you that. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. It sounds right, but if they did main event, then then who the hell did? Yeah, I can't remember. That was Takeover Toronto one, wasn't it? I believe so. Um, oh, who what was the results that night? It was Samoa Joe and Shinsuke was the main event that match. Oh, never mind. The tag match was middle of the card because Asuka and Mickey James came after it. Wow, but that's the one. The tag match was the one that people remember. You know, yeah. Like, well, going as a, as, a, as someone who never really watched them, that's what I thought was the main event because it got so so you would lauded. Think so, yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, so this will be the first tag. To this I'm going through the chronological uh, main events here, and it is the first tag team match to main event uh, at an NXT Takeover 
Um, not the first ladder match though. That was that was uh, Brooklyn um, with Finn Balor and Kevin Owens, but uh, still, still historic. Uh, as the buzzword for ESSR is, uh, it's a historic moment with Akam and Razor, and I think I think these two guys were what NXT was about, or should have been about originally when when they were bringing in guys that I'd never heard of. I'd heard of I'd heard of uh, Champa and, and Gargano, but Akam and Razor, I have no idea who these guys were, and they just came in and they they worked with what they had and they did it effectively uh, at the same time. So you had these two guys against uh, a, a big team in DIY, the emotional favourite. Um, coming to this one, though, the, what was what was your kind of vibe? Was, was it just the titles were going back and forth, as, as I was seeing from the video package? Uh, a ladder match to main event the show. Uh, how hyped were you uh, for this one, uh, Chris? I was, a, I was and still am a big DIY guy. I, I love Johnny Gargano. I love Tommaso Ciampa, or now Ciampa, I guess. But I, I love the the DIY and everything. They are, to me, NXT. When I think of NXT, I think of those two guys, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. And them in this match and what followed it was my big takeaway from this, from this show. Or one of my big takeaways, because that UK title match was really damn cool. But outside of stuff from bell to bell the 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 infamous now you should the trademark pops up on the screen and then the 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 turn the heel turn was insane but i wasn't a big office of pain guy uh i i i I, that's just me personally not a big fan of the monstrous tag teams uh paul ellering definitely added something to them because lord knows they needed it uh, especially at that time but they were pretty darn pretty darn good at what they were doing and johnny and tomaso are just very good at what they do so this the whole match was elevated just by the two of them being a part of it but it's a ladder match it's gruesome it has the gruesome spots uh, johnny gargano getting hit in the face with the ladder and then gum and teeth and blood flying out of his mouth like it was crazy as hell and authors of pain going over was a disappointment from a fan perspective but it made sense for what they were trying to do for the office of pain stuff so i wasn't really mad at it but again besides the brutal spots from the match the end is my takeaway and i don't know if you want to just talk about the heel turn already at the end but that was that was the sour and bittersweet taste that we all left the arena with that night we we saw the end of diy uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that properly uh, once I've heard Gary's thoughts on the match. Cause I know you're a moments guy and there was plenty of moments in this one. Uh, one that, that popped off, like, uh, again, I watched this uh, uh, in, in this second go, so I kind of had it just in its in its, in its its little, uh, just separately from the whole other show. And uh, it was it was seen like uh, Akam or Razor, who knows, uh, going, going through falling through a ladder thanks to Champa. Um, yeah, getting the old yeah. at, at that point the now staple of ladder match uh, the the ladder breaking uh, during the match but yeah as, as for moments uh, any particular ones you want to pick out here well there was, there was quite a lot of them in this match I think I think the the DIY speed and athleticism versus the power of the AOP I, I really liked the AOP with Ellering, I thought they looked devastating, those masks they wore when they came out Ellering's the perfect fit with them, having been with the, the Road Warriors previously when they lost Ellering, they lost a lot of the 
lot of their strength, I thought. But yeah, so we had the uh, uh, A-Camera Rays, I can't remember what one, holding the ladder and uh, almost Scooby-Doo-esque. Champa scurrying up, almost getting to the belts. The power bombs, they were both in the position and they managed to sort of get off them and both Johnny and Champa on different sides of the ladder scurry up to try and get the belts. We have the giant ladder outside the ring uh, with two ladders from the ring apron over to the barricades with uh, the AOP lying on the ladders and the DIY members uh, doing the big double splash on either side and landing on their prey at the bottom. Johnny sort of flips over, almost goes a bit too far and look, takes looks, looks like quite a nasty bump on the, the floor. Um, You've already mentioned, Chris, the 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 wicked ladder shot to Johnny's face when he pushes Champa out of the way as well. There, but there was another great spot on it where you've got two ladders set up in the ring. Champa pushes one of the ladders over, which causes one of the AOP to fall. But Johnny, as he comes off that ladder, jumps onto the other ladder that's still upright climbs up, is about to get the belt, and then Ellering interferes, and there was a great pop when Ellering gets uh, a super kick to the face. But my god, the, the finish of it as well, when the the eight DIY were on top of the ladders, they had the belts, they just needed to unbuckle them, the AOP pulled the ladders away, and they're left hanging from the sky, and before they can pull the belts off, you've got the AOP that sort of position himself underneath them, pull them down, power bomb them down, pick them back up, super collider, and that's all she wrote for them. And I thought the match is just full of moments. There's the one you've mentioned as well, Billy, where Champa manages to do a belly to back suplex off of the onto oh god, I always get them mixed up. I think it was Acom this time. Uh, off the top of the ladder and he lands through a ladder which looks suspiciously like it's made of wood. Uh, <laughs> but the match is just pot full of moments and insane looking bumps and my goodness, it got four and a quarter stars. I don't know what else these guys could have done in that match. It was phenomenal. It was a fabulous match and they really left it all, all out there. And of course, as Chris mentioned, the moment that broke Sarah Greaves' heart. Let's just get into it then. My only other thing I want to point out for your moments, I loved Paul mm-hmm. Ellering shouting instructions and uh, and Akam or Razor, if the other one was climbing up the ladder, the other one would, would have their foot on the bottom of the rung so it kept it steady. And I like that little bit of logic and they're not totally monsters. They've got Ellering kind of guide them things they can do because it's not like outside of maybe scaffold matches I don't think there was many ladder matches that Elring was involved in in his time with the with the with the road warriors anyway um, so I just like that a little bit but let's just get to the the big moment the f- I don't know if this is the first time it happened uh, but this was the watermark uh, red herring where we had DIY they had the the authors painted left with the belts they'd won They'd uh, won a brutal match. DIY were in the ring. They got a standing ovation. They got thank yous and all that jazz. They got to the top of the ramp and uh, Champa just whispered something into Gargano's ear. Watermark popped up and then Champa grabbed Gargano and threw him into the stage. 
and gave him a beatdown as the watermark disappeared again. Mm-hmm. You bastards, WWE, because you've done it again. You've done it so many times since, but this was the the first that time I remember or know of it being referenced anyway. Um, beatdown Champ, uh, Champa beatdown Gargano. Gargano had his his uh, you know you know the face he does when he's, when he's supposed to be when he's trying to be emotional, and uh, got beaten down and eventually thrown thrown off the stage with a. Um, I know there's a fancy name for it, but it's white noise. That's how, how I know it. Uh, it was Emerald Flosion, maybe. But he, he got taken off the, the stage by Champa, and that's how the show ended. Hearts were breaking all over the place. Uh, the crowd were, were beside themselves. Um, this was a big moment in NXT, and I think it was a big moment for, for the next five years, uh, even as recent as last year with Johnny Gargano uh, in general. But, you know, We'll start with we'll start with Gary because I think I, I already hear Chris's live reaction at, at the time, but we'll leave that as a little bit, little bit of a teaser, a main event for you. But Gary, <laughs> what were your thoughts on this one, on this this big turn? Shocking at the moment, but what it led to, I think, was one of the greatest heel turns. I mean, when in the months that were to follow, the heat that Champa got of oh my god, it was sensational. You look back on it, the note that you're coming out, no music, the hate that you could hear upon them, the chants, the matches that followed with Johnny coming back, the unsanctioned match, everything that followed. Oh, it was utterly amazing, utterly amazing. I can't remember the last time I felt heat like that to that level. That was like NWO rubbish in the ring type of heat that generated from it so shocking moment but my god what what followed from it was just amazing so chris you missed the watermark moment because you were there you, you didn't see the the little thing come up in the corner singling that you could uh, go to bed now uh you could just turn off the network and you'll be quite happy so seeing the turn itself i don't know if it was just you got the kind of screen that we did we got to see gargano and champa uh, at the top of the ramp on the big screen or if you were just watching just it happened you didn't see the champa doing a little whisper and you just all you saw was champa throw gargano into into the stage rig and uh, yeah what was it like so uh, i actually did see the watermark because on the on the big titan tron um they had the two of them because they, they showed us what the cameras were showing everybody at home so it was the two of them and their arms were around each other and everyone was like woo yeah like we love diy the watermark comes up but it was, everyone had the, at least the people in my section had the suspicion that something, why are the, why is the camera lingering on them for so long? They're not retiring. <laughs> like, like what, what's the deal? What's the deal here? And I know the storyline was like, one more, let's do one more, like one more. And um, <laughs> the watermark grows up and there's like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like if anything, they'll do the turn on, on takeover or on NXT TV in a couple weeks. And then, Tommaso takes Johnny, throws him right into the stage, and immediately everyone everyone's like, no, no, and it's it was it was crazy as hell being in an arena where the crowd is saying "fuck you, Champa." They're chanting that over and over and over again, and it was it went on for an uncomfortable amount of time. Because, you know, he does the whole into the stage and he um, hits him with the knee and everything. And then it continues. 
and then it continues and Tomas is just sitting there watching watching his 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 best friend or his former best friend like dying Johnny's selling it like death like he's getting murdered and it we're all just sitting there <laughs> helpless watching our favorite this ultimate babyface tag team implode in right in front of our eyes and then uh, the watermark pops up again and then fades to black on the screen and it does not change in the arena we're all sitting there johnny is getting stretchered away from the beatdown he was just given and tomas was just sitting there he is sitting there and i don't know how long he sat there for but it was it was very uncomfortable to sit there and watch in like a good uncomfortable that's how much they sold the beatdown after the match it was so intense and it laid the groundwork for what these two men would do going forward johnny gargano being the super hot baby face that he would be after that you know like the daniel bryan-esque baby face that johnny gargano will turn into and tommaso champa having one of the best heel runs in any on any WWE brand right we, we will all remember his run with Goldie and that moment at NXT TakeOver Chicago like it was the the inciting event for everything that we got afterwards and I know we're not here to talk about the second TakeOver in Chicago but they had a match there the Chicago the street fight the Chicago street fight mm-hmm. Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano however you feel about the refute afterwards it went on for too long it was this it wasn't good it was it was lackluster whatever you want to say about it i thought the setup was great and these two guys are just so good at what they do they could have a pillow fight in the ring and i would buy it wholeheartedly (laughs) i would watch the hell out of this but that moment it was jaw-dropping it i i don't want to equate it to any other moment in wrestling history because i either wasn't there and maybe just the fact that I was in the arena, like my my rose colored glasses are on, so I'm not going to see any of the red flags. But I was knees deep in NXT already. I already loved the brand. But that moment alongside the match, the UK match that we just got earlier in the night and the tag match that we witnessed, it was something that was it's what we all aspire wrestling to be, you know, like dramatic and like the matches are good and the storytelling's great and little did we know what that story would turn into like the years of drawn out story not not only beforehand but afterwards too like their storylines are so intertwined with each other and that moment was just another bookmark and probably the most important thing to happen between the two of them absolutely i think in general this is this was the moment that that really nxt became NXT black and gold, in, in my opinion, because it was it was like like I was saying when when you were um, frozen in time uh, j- j- earlier on, I was saying NXT maybe at this point was still they brought in guys, they had their ta- did matches, had their title run, they did take over, and then they moved to the main roster. That was that was this, that's what happened. And I think this was the first time where we they really paid off um, a big emotional moment. The the, the NXT crowd. <laughs> Grew to love DIY. They they were emotionally invested in anything that these guys did, and then to have Champa um, just tear it apart uh, in the final moments, uh, and then that that led on to, like I say, possibly went on too long. Uh, the the feud, but it's still I think that kind of I don't know if it kind of rewarded 
this underground movement of NXT, it's like this isn't going to be a, a thing where where uh, Bobby Roode comes in, he wins the belt against Nakamura, he, he defends it a couple of times, and then he heads off to to Raw or SmackDown. This is this is what you've been rewarded. You you've 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 got that, but you're also getting the 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 growth of DIY, the emotional connection to them, and then to see them just tear apart. Uh, and now you get to see how the aftermath goes. Uh, as, as, as far as long-term, long-term storytelling goes, this is probably one of the finest finest moments, especially, definitely in NXT history. Uh, maybe in WWE, you could probably have it up there somewhere uh, in, in some moments. So, uh, yeah, so after this, after this match, of course, it, it led on to more uh, Champ and Gargano stuff, and then the belt got involved, and then, like I say, maybe, maybe they didn't need to revisit it when they did. But still, as a, as for you, Gary, did, did you find this was like a a pivotal moment in NXT history? This this particular ending and this particular show in general? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's the the, the when you look back, if we were ever to do a show on NXT's greatest rivalries, I can't think off the top of my head of one that would beat. Gargano and Champa, they might be, um, um, but so it set off this whole whole other story that sh- was was fabulous, and yeah, it means the there are a couple of the matches there that we we were less than glowing about. But all of these five matches, they were all they were all good, and there were two exceptional matches, and amongst that, that's a pretty good hit rate in my book. Yeah, take that, Chris. Would you would you agree with that, or is there anything else you want to to add on your thoughts on this event in general? This takeover was it was my first, and I will never forget it. Yes, the two the two standout matches and moments will forever stay with me, but the rest of the show isn't bad. Granted, this is around the time also where there was not a bad takeover. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever gotten a bad takeover. There were some that were more lackluster than others, but there was never a bad show like how WWE proper's had bad pay-per-views WCW TNA they've all had bad pay-per-views but takeover there was not a bad one and this one just added to that to the growing roster of this is a very good show for NXT and I I miss it and I again I don't want this to turn into the bring back the black and gold cuz that'll never happen but it it will it will forever stick with me and to Gary's point on Gargano and Ciampa those guys are NXT right like yeah Ciampa's on Raw now and we'll see how that pans out but those two guys were the heart and soul of NXT that was their whole gimmick there when the entire time they were down there and it was crazy to see this one moment flesh out and turn into this big storyline yes yeah, some say it's gone a little it went a little too long and that's perfectly fine and it, it's valid like i i would halfway agree but i still think i still think it turned out to be really well done and especially with where champa's at now in his career where gargano we'll, we'll see where he goes they brought candace lorraine into it it was a whole it was a whole thing with multiple different moving parts and that moment turned into something grand and great and the pete dunn tyler bait match showed the, um, the the mainstream wrestling world what uk wrestling is like if they didn't already know what it looked like 
I was one of those who had no idea what it looked like. I watched it, I loved it, and I fell right into it immediately afterwards. And yeah, say what you want about NXT UK and their their own little pocket universe, but it's there. It exists. Like there's an NXT branch of, there's a UK branch of NXT that has been going for a few years now. (laughs) And like I, although it may not be presented the best, and I know y'all were mentioning its impact on the UK indie scene, but damn, I I think that match proved why something like that could work. And it's still around, it's still on, the, on Peacock or the WWE Network, depending on where you're at in the world. And that it's gone on longer than I thought it would have. And I, I like to think that Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I think the last thing that we do before we do all the wrap-up stuff is uh, we, we give this the show a, a rating out of five. Do the old, we can, we'll do this better than Meltzer does. We can do it coherently, I'm sure. Uh, so Gary, out of five, what's your star rating? Oh, I was hoping you would ask Chris first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready either. I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to think about this objectively. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll go first while you guys do that then. I think that, that'll probably be fair. Even though my star ratings, and last time I did this with WrestleMania 22, it went off the rails entirely because I gave it 10 for a Boogeyman match. So uh, we're going to go, I, I think I think, I think think 4 is a nice solid rating for that particular show in my opinion. 4 out of 5, uh, 2 amazing matches, 2 really good matches, and 1, one that maybe knocks the uh, half star off with uh, Rude and Itami, but still absolutely solid show um so yeah four stars for for myself uh who who wants to jump in who wants to take the leap with their rain okay i'll go next i'm gonna go for four and a half i think it was uh some really excellent moments in this one that look back fondly it's not a bad match amongst them um yeah so i'm gonna score it quite highly i really enjoyed this one excellent and, and chris just because I know there are going to be some stellar takeovers after this, I, I know I can't give it that high of a rating, but I was initially with Billy on the four, but my bias, and again, I'm still wearing those rose-colored, gla- those rose-colored glasses they gave me at the door at the Allstate Arena for this show. I'm going to meet y'all in the middle. 4.25 stars out of five. It, it just, it's... <laughs> And, and I initially was with Billy, but I I love some of the things in this in the, on this show that would to me would bump it up that extra quarter star. Like I I love this show for reasons, but it may not be perfect, but it's damn good. It's damn good. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, I thought when I saw your face, I thought he's just gonna sit on the fence uh, there between us, just. Uh watching watching our two ratings go so i'm just gonna try and get a wee average going uh let's see so that gives that gives a nice uh, i could i did it on calculator i don't know why because now i'm thinking of the sum it was very easy uh but no we've kind of gathered it on a four i was i was smart in school as well that's that's disgraceful that i do that Uh, we'll give this a <laughs> uh, average rating of four point two five. I think that's yeah. I think we can we can all settle on that uh, when that show. So that's it. We've we've we a little bit longer than I thought. So I, I see guys just starving there in the corner. So we'll we'll do the last bits of plugging and we'll wrap up for the show. But thank you very much for joining me, uh, Chris and Gary. I've I've had a blast for my first time hosting. You've treated my cherry well, and it's now well and truly popped. Um, so you can find out more. 
You can find out more about Suplex, uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Facebook and Twitter at Suplex, Suplex Retweet. You can go to the website eatsleepsuplexretweet.com. Uh, you can find out more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android device. And you can check out more uh, amazing content, amazing features and profiles, and everything in between on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet whenever you can find it or wherever you can find it. But no, thank you very much, guys. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate it. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. <laughs> <laughs>